Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. My name is Michael Kelly, and uh, with us, as always, my trusted uh, co-host, uh, co-friend in life, uh, you know, a guide, a guide through somewhat uh, different times, uh, Mr. Nathan Allen Bear. Nathan, so good to have you with us. Welcome, sir. So happy to be here, Mike. You know, of all the many, many things I could and would be doing right now, this is, you know, I, I, I one would say I had almost no choice but to be here today. And well, you know, it's a great point, Nathan, because we all have so much more free time, I think. Uh, at least some of us have a little bit more free time than we normally would. And even under these extremely sort of uh, ponderous, expansive times it's still a waste of time it's a waste of your time it's a waste of my time to watch 1997's rebirth of mothra 2 uh but we still did it anyways and now even a bigger waste of time we're gonna talk about it for like an hour (laughs) or whatever and then the final waste of time people i think are going to listen to us talking about it maybe they will maybe they'll turn it off they should probably turn it off it's a mistake this whole thing's a mistake um yeah you be warned yeah listeners <laughs> you be warned this turn back now yes indeed um so right off the the bat i want to acknowledge that um this is being recorded in mid april 2020 in the midst of the coronavirus COVID-19 global pandemic, uh, or pandemic, that's redundant. All pandemics are global by definition. So we just wanted to state that that is happening, but the focus of this show is going to continue to be talking about like kaiju movies and stuff. Uh, And you know, working in references to the Star Wars prequels, because I think we've done that in almost every episode. It's a secret That's Star a Wars prequel hatred podcast. <laughs> um, but like, no listen to that show. But if we put it under the, the glaze <laughs> of the podcast, right. then people would pay attention. But we just wanted to like acknowledge, yes, these are horrifying and unprecedented times. No one knows what the fuck is happening. We are not, um, you know, uh, ignoring that. But again, we have a show to do. So, um, you know, our thoughts are with everyone. Wash your hands like twice, like every 10 minutes. And don't go outside unless you absolutely have to. Um, but other than that, that's that's it. Uh, so... Now to the business at hand, The Rebirth of Mothra 2. And again, we watched this because we absolutely had to. Initial impressions of this movie, Nate? Well, I just, again, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I was reluctant to watch the trilogy as a whole for whatever reason. Like, even though I was, like, really, you know, in my early teens, just, like, craving, like, just whatever kaiju shit I could get my hands on that was these were just things that a i don't think were available at my local video store power video and b there's just there was just something about it that i just wasn't interested in and that might be because it seemed that the focus was like kids you know and i don't think i think maybe i was equating it to like i don't really want to watch you know godzilla 
Godzilla's Revenge, the trilogy. <laughs> right. Something like that. But watching this now, and I don't know if it's just like the, you know, worldwide malaise that's going on, but I just got to be like, eh, not that bad. I mean, is it a masterpiece? No. But honestly, I wasn't, you know, super infuriated watching it. I could kind of just like, you know, enjoy it yeah. in a weird way. Like, again, not a work of art. But at the same time, not as like clunky as the high side movies. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't seem to try and pretend to be anything it's not. That doesn't again, this isn't making it good. This doesn't mean that it's not open to criticism. But I watched it and I was like, eh, not that bad. So <laughs> I think um, it's the advantage of this movie, at least for me, in my at least I guess casual enjoyment of this movie is the fact that the leads are two stupid adults and three stupid children because yes. of that when they do something you're not thinking oh but you're an adult why would you do something like that you're thinking like oh of course someone like that would do something like that of course a kid would make that decision of course a you know uh, a jobless old man would make a decision like that you know and not just kids but like stupid kids yeah like so, dumb children dumb children so it's like you're thinking like oh okay well yeah a kid would a stupid kid would do something like that so you kind of you know, because of that you you just allow things to happen you're just like i'll out i'll out sure why not yeah some <laughs> the things, worst judge on law and order svu right. i'll allow some things that finally kind of sunk in this time was that the Elias's names were Laura and Mole, or M O L L? I'm just gonna say Mole or or Mall. I guess Mall, like a, like a doll. Mall doesn't matter. And that uh, the Rita Repulsa, they're like evil, uh, like the triplet basically, because yeah. they're twins. Uh, her name is Bellavara. And I think we may have said that one time in the yeah. last episode because we just called her Rita Repulsa, Rita Repulsa um, for the rest of the episode. But her name is, in fact, Bellavara. I think it should be said right now that, yes, there's three kids and there's two adults. And we're not going to say any of their names. We're not going to say the actors and actresses that portrayed them. None well, of that's happening. If you want I, that, I, yeah. go elsewhere. Because <laughs> it's just I, I not happening. Back to here and say that at least the girl, right? Uh, Mitsushima. Um, so the, like the, the little, little girl. girl. The little girl. She. Okay. And this will. I'll bring this up later again. She uh, went, grew up, and went on to be in an infamous film from 2008 called Love Exposure, where I believe she plays the bad guy. I have not seen that movie, but it's uh, a cult classic. Essentially, it's a four-hour movie about a guy that uh, rebels against his priest father by taking uh, upskirt uh, photographs of women. Uh, yeah, kids these days. Um, so yeah, very, so she is the antagonist of that movie. It's very Japanese. Uh, there we go. I'll tell you what else is very Japanese. This movie, yeah, it's a fun kids movie and everything, but absolutely a gateway drug for like water sports. And I'm not talking <laughs> oh, yes. about the kind with the uh, jet ski, if you know what yeah. I mean. 
Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, so just to kind of uh, say who's responsible for this monstrosity, uh, it's directed by a gentleman by the name. Oh, I'm sorry. What were we saying? But the names have not been changed. The, the, the names <laughs> have... The, the, the facts are made up, but the names are real. Um, okay, so it was directed by some asshole named Kunio Miyayoshi. According to IMDb, he was a second unit director on Bye Bye Jupiter, which oh. I think we've, we've yeah. uh, mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, and then he was also a second unit director before this. Uh, yeah, these were all before he started directing on a remake of Orochi the Eight-Headed Dragon, a.k.a. Uh, the Birth of Japan. So there okay. was one in 94 that I think some people are familiar with. And there's also another one in the 50s that has Toshiro Mifune, Satsuko Hara, and like, like basically all of Toho's like A and B list stars are in that three hour movie about the birth of Japan. So he was the assistant director on the remake. Okay. Of that. So he is familiar with, at least by this point in time, he was at least familiar with, you know, special effects, at least as far as how Toho was uh, doing it. I, I mean, I think equal blame must be placed also on uh, the writer, which is a person by the name of Masumi Sutani, and then also the editor of this movie called a uh, person by the name of Miho Yoni, because the the editing this this movie should have been fifteen minutes long, and now I know like theatrically released movies have to be i don't know over 62 minutes or i I don't know what the the absolute minimum thing is for to get a theatrical release but sweet sassy molassy the the back half of this movie is like the most redundant thing i have seen in a very long time uh so definitely could have tightened some things up there yeah, <laughs> um, there are two shots, and we'll just get that out of the way now. Um, well, the first one is with a cat, where just two characters are talking, and in the background, a cigarette—a <laughs> cigarette butt hits a cat's tail. It just jumps. Now, yes. the scene up to that was actually pretty concise, and was just like, oh, "Okay, that's like how kind of a scene should flow." And then a cigarette makes a cat jump like twelve feet in the air, and it's like, "What?" I mean, like, it's kind of like the oddest way to punctuate a scene. <laughs> no, it's really weird. It's really yeah. weird. Um, it's kind of like, I mean, it's like, did you really need to put that B-roll in there? Like, was that necessary? You could have really just cut to the next scene without that. I, um, You know, and I will give this... The, the benefit of the doubt that m- maybe this is a thing that's like typical in Japanese like children's films that there's just kind of wacky sort of comedic um, you know exclamation marks on scenes and little little things like that but if you're just uninitiated and watching the movie little things like that pop up and it is bizarre and it is jarring. Some of the stuff is Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job esque in its like execution. And you're just watching it like like the thing with the cat burning its tail on the cigarette and then just like jumping up. It's not the cat actually jumping up. It looks like someone like planted the cat on a 
like like a, a, like a two by four yeah and like stepped on the other half of it the two by four and like launches it launches it up in the air like it, the, the cat like just spontaneously vertically just gets propelled <laughs> in the air like five feet and it's just like that breaks the laws of physics yeah um there's another scene where the fat little kid and that's that's body shaming i've just named that right now that is body shaming me calling him fat but he is that's his only characteristic so sorry the fat kid uh gets like lasered by Bellavera and he gets knocked up in the air and like falls down but the way it's done 100% Tim and Eric green screen like crazily distracting crazily like draws you out of the movie so like there's some things like that that happen in this movie that are also just on top of it being redundant and boring it's just like really weird um so there you go but i do want to mention as well the uh the the antagonist that mothra first of all this is mothra leo and -hmm. there's three different forms of 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 mothra leo in this movie so first there's like original recipe mothra leo looking a little bit more like wilford brimley mothra from the last movie and like furry you know sturdy kind of like fatter um then there's something called rainbow mothra i don't know when that happened i it's very confusing well it appears three seconds before aqua mothra appears okay so like yeah and it then there's also Aqua Mothra. Again, like I, again, I had to upon rewatching the movie because I was on I think Toho Kingdom, and I noticed that they mentioned like you know, like Rainbow Mothra or so. It was either Toho Kingdom or Wikipedia was mentioning like a third Mothra, and I was like, where was this third Mothra? And rewatching, it was like, oh, there was another change in between the change. Yeah. So there was a change and then another change. So. So, there's Mothra Leo rainbow mothra for like two seconds and then aqua mothra which looks like kind of the extreme i don't know aerodynamic like sort of like like a fish looks like a flying fish looks like a flying fish absolutely in kind of in the shape of a moth it's a little weird these three mothra forms are fighting a monster that is known as dagara in some places, um, even though I watched the um, TriStar, like, American dub, and the kids and everybody refers to this monster as Degarla. Uh, so I'm not sure what to call this thing. I'll, I'll just call it Degarla. Because I don't... Dogera is like the space loogie as well. So it's like, gets really confusing. Like, Dogara is the space loogie. So... Yeah having another thing called dagara that's just that's too close so i'm gonna call it dagarla yeah. but either way it doesn't matter basically looks like um somebody took the suit from space godzilla and left it in the attic in the barn over the summer and it like melted down and it also suffered severe water damage and um just looks you know and- uninspired 
you feel from the design that they were almost going to do Ghidra again. They were almost going to do it, and then they were just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's 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 try to be a little bit more creative. So instead of a moth, a monster with three heads, they do a monster with one head and two shoulder beams that look kind of like mouths. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it, it, it's just like it, you kind of get like, okay, they tried but not hard. <laughs> <laughs> not hard yeah. at all it was just yeah, like okay it's, instead of three heads it's got one head and then two 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 mouths on well on yeah because it, it it has two forms it starts yeah. off with you know it's its shoulders are just sort of normal i guess and then it gets like the the big like melanie griffith and working girl which it gets the shoulder pads <laughs> like it, 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 like the big the big yeah. shoulders the big like the... yeah like the power power move shoulders you climb on the corporate ladder in the yeah. 80s okay um but like again worthless monster i'm glad it's dead at the end of this movie like compl- beyond uninspired <laughs> you know i thought space godzilla was bad but at least space godzilla was like colorful this thing is like if it, it feels like the first draft of a design. And I know there were actually many different drafts of the Degarla design, including one where it didn't have arms and it was just tentacles. Um, And that would have been, I think more interesting than what they went with. But uh, as is, it just sort of looks like, it feels like they were just trying to play it safe. It'd be like, you know, if it had tentacles, that would be something different. This case, it's just like it, kind of it's like Ghidra or in your as you point out it's kind of like Space Godzilla it's like yeah they're they're going with like a safe bet he also sort of looks like Angulus with his shell ripped off a little bit yeah <laughs> you know and kind of crawls yeah, around yeah, the same take way an Angulus and rip off the shell and leave it out in the sun for like a month that's <laughs> right. the Garla. <laughs> so there you go that's the Garla um and there's other creatures. We'll talk about them, you know, when we yeah. get to that point in the plot. But in, Nate, in case you're wondering why we're doing these tangents, some of these tangents now, it's because there's next to no information about the production of this movie besides a few stills and images of like what could have been. Um, and just sadly, there's like very little information about it, possibly for the benefit of mankind. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll keep there's more up. there's more important things we should be focused on right now. Yeah. You know? Food. <laughs> getting food again this podcast is a waste of your time stop listening to it <laughs> yeah. yeah still here all right Nate, why don't you uh tell us about the uh the the main difference between the american version of this movie and the original japanese cut which is uh, two minutes longer what do those two minutes consist of sir ah well you see there's an ending song uh <laughs> a certain ending song that, you know, a normal person would just ignore and say, oh, I was probably cut for time. But not me. Not me. I was like, how come this song is in one version and not in another version? Also, why is the song not listed in the credits of the movie? Uh, because when I watched it on Amazon, the credits, which were in English, so this might be the English credits, but the Japanese sound over it. But whatever. But it wasn't listed in the credits. So I had to hunt, like deep search the internet (laughs) 
to find what this was. And uh, the song that is cut out of the American version and is not on either of the soundtracks uh, is Love and Forever by a band called Fold. Uh, sorry, Folder. Sorry, it, it's by a, a band called Folder. Um, and this music video is, uh, well, terrifying. It's a bunch of little kids uh, dancing in a sterile spaceship, and they're all wearing white. And the main singer is not singing into a microphone. He's singing into what looks like a primitive, uh, like, Macintosh you know, camera that you'd use, you know, in elementary school to take black and white photos and print them out and show your teacher, and then she'll give you a scratch and sniff sticker. That is what he's singing with. You know, and, and between him playing like a what looks like a uh, 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 like a Sega Dreamcast controller, so he's either singing into a a computer camera, an old timey bulbous computer camera, and then playing on a like a Dreamcast like like while he's singing the song, and then all his dancers are there Dancing. again dressed in white, and these sorry these kids are all like five six like it's aesthetically it reminded me of the uh, music video for scream with michael jackson and janet jackson (laughs) oh god (laughs) except it's in color but like same sort of like spaceship pop music thing but that was for a song that was supposed to be in the movie but it's like weirdly excised from the american version so we don't know what happened there. A rights issue of some kind. Something. Or because like you can hear the first beats of it, like when and I it might just be the simple case that the song is in Japanese. Because the first couple like lyrics are in kind of broken English. And then it seems to be like around the time the Japanese lyrics would be cutting in, that's when the credits like fade away. So that might just be the case, but what pissed me off is the fact that it wasn't mentioned in the credits. And it wasn't listed on either of the soundtracks. And even though it's not a good song and I could easily live my life without hearing it and be perfectly fine, it was like, why was this not here? So that answer was not given to me. However, I did find the music video. And... To be clear, sorry, you're saying that the it's not even mentioned in the credits, for the, like the Japanese credits. The Japanese version. Which is bizarre, which is, yeah. I don't think, legal. Again, it was not right? on the soundtracks. There were two soundtracks released, and thank you to Toho Kingdom for, you know, having even more anal retentive information on this shit than I do. But, like, they, they, there's even a review they had from 1998 mentioning – they didn't even mention the song, but in their review they mentioned the fact that there's, like, no um, – really no vocals in the entire uh, soundtrack except for the Mothra song. Like right. uh, the, the the two like brief Mothra songs. So I was like, well, how come this is here? Like, why would they put it here? It's like doesn't really fit with the except for the fact that it's like kids. Um, now, I did find something interesting that that so that was a group called Folder. There then became a few years later, a band in the early aughts from 2000 to 2003 called Folder Five. That band had the little girl from this movie. What? She later went on to be in Folder 5. What is happening? Yeah. So, 
<laughs> that was an unexpected twist. There we go. Mitsushima, the little girl in this movie. So between this and in 2008 when she was in Love Exposure, for three years of her life, she was in a sequel band called Folder 5. That was a sequel. Now, there's actually a Wikipedia page for the uh, band she was in, Folder 5. There is nothing dedicated to Folder. And rightly so. (laughs) To Folder. (laughs) The Folder has folded. I still... Is it... Can you have a, a song in a movie, like a modern film, and not list it in the credits? That's Isn't that illegal? I'm, I'm thinking that, because again, I watched the Japanese version on Amazon, but the credits were all in English. I'm thinking that what might have happened is, and I don't know how this would work, but it's uh, to keep the credits localized... They just took the kept the Japanese audio and added subtitles, but left the credits, you know, okay. in English. I don't know. I mean, that seems weird. It, yeah. it seems like more work to do it's, that. It's a weird choice. But localization, a I mean, localization movie. is a weird thing. Remember, you know, the, our, our country, the United States has gone through like leaps and bounds to try to make things more child friendly, like Japanese content localized more child friendly in like odd ways. Like infamously, Sailor Moon's like lesbian friends were changed to cousins, which just made it like even creepier when they were being like giving each other longing looks. <laughs> Look, like, America is yeah. no stranger to ambiguously gay characters giving each other longing looks. They, yeah. they based an entire franchise off of it. It's called the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure what the problem is. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll blame 4Kids Entertainment or, you know, Fox, Fox Kids or whatever. I don't know. Stupid choices were made. Thank goodness we live in a world where we can get, you know, Blu-rays of DVD movies uh, with subtitles. And uh, we can enjoy our, you know, schlock uh, better. We can have a a better schlock experience. I did want to mention that this movie made uh, $7 million, which is not that great. Especially when, like, adjusted for inflation... Like King Kong versus Godzilla made, I think like sixty-two million dollars or or something like that. You know, like it was like a real hit. Yeah. And this was not. So. Yeah. And that was like in the early sixties, and this was like nineteen ninety-seven. This made yeah. seven million dollars. So not a giant blockbuster success, but they big enough to like make part three. So. Yeah. Who knows? So, you know, right now I will just say, while I enjoyed it better than the high side movies, these are no way so far. Like we haven't seen part three, but I'm not holding my breath for that. But these are no way as good as the Gamera movies that came around the same time. So we've got. So this would be uh, like I don't want to say a step up. I'd be like half a step while tripping and falling at the same time above the high side series. I'm glad you mentioned the. Gamera movies because the dude who plays Degarla played the front half of Legion in Gamera really? versus Legion. Absolutely. Wow. I should probably know his name, but yeah. that would require research and I'm very lazy. 
but I know that it was the same guy. Wow. But Gamma versus Legion, like, so he actually perfect movie. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that movie is a masterpiece. If you guys haven't listened to our episodes on the Gamma trilogy, uh, please do that now. Um, that, yeah. And then, and then go watch the Gamma trilogy and enjoy right. it. Like, warm bath. <laughs> um, we're going to take a break now and listen to something. Uh, it'll be a little treat. It'll be a little surprise. Uh, this is your next opportunity to stop listening to this episode and you can do it you can do it now with a clear conscience I don't blame you I get it we'll be right back Discontent made glorious plot dissection by this noble son of Michigan. <laughs> I I am a noble son of the proudest of all of these United States, Michigan. Um, so it's time to talk about the plot. Um, oh boy! So first of all, there's like uh, the movie begins. And, you know, you're watching the movie, so it's already too late. You know, <laughs> your evening is shot. Um, there's a meteor storm of Lil Mothra's at the beginning of this. It's very existential. It's like outer space, and you're, like, seeing a bunch of little Lil Mothra's uh, just flying around. And they kind of swing around and go towards earth just as the sun is kind of breaking over the horizon and uh you know uh ripping off the last shot of uh superman the movie directed by richard donner and hoping that no one noticed but i noticed yeah. uh so that's that's yeah. the first thing just yeah. sort of quiet resentment there 
because Superman, the movie, is my favorite movie of all time. So, I yeah, that little, that little thing stuck out there a little bit. Uh, that little sequence, I don't know. I, I, it, is that sort of, it may be trying to show us when the Elias and, and the Mothras, like, first came to Earth, like, thousands of years ago, but, like, all the continents are fully formed and there isn't like a little thing at the bottom of the screen that says like millions of years ago or whatever it just right. sort of happens there's yeah. no explanation and then it's you know goes into the opening credits the elias are like on fairy which again is just a little teeny like mothra toy yeah. and uh they're like by some flowers uh by the coast of an island and yeah. they're just like watching some of this stuff happen and they're like this is beautiful isn't it yeah you know just like are, oh, fluff. we should mention this this takes place on uh, okinawa of all places that doesn't really like i mean sadly there's no like king caesar or anything that like really relates to okinawa uh -huh. except for the fact that it's like they're there and yes. the concept of an ancient kingdom that might have connected like uh the I can't pronounce. I, I forgot how to pronounce the name of the island chain, but the Okinawa. What, what is you know the island chain that Okinawa is part of in Taiwan and China? Like it, it points out, like that those would have all been connected. But yeah, so this is at least a change of scenery, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they're admiring the the view, and then uh, Mothra Leo comes by. I guess. Please? Yeah. Know, maybe. Maybe like, not. Oh, look at him go. Uh, the the. Did I hallucinate this? Does Mothra Leo just like dive bomb into the water and like fly underwater for a while, or am I misremembering oh, no, that? Oh, flying with the dolphins. Okay, right above, like right. At least I think. I hope it didn't dive in. It wasn't in aqua mode yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if it did, then we need to scratch that under another <laughs> uh, on our list of like unacceptable continuity errors. I mean, Mothra does do quite a bit of fighting underwater before turning into Aqua Mothra. So, yeah. um, you yeah. know, confusing. Yeah. Confusing. So one Question. of the first things that happens after the very ponderous kind of like, I don't know, acid trip beginning of like, you know, the Elias, Laura and Maul sort of observing Mothra swimming with the dolphins sequence uh, is we cut to uh, thin fishermen and fat fishermen. They just, you know what well, they reminded we, me we, of? We cut to two, before we get to those guys, oh. they're two normal fishermen. They're two those normal are different fishermen. characters? Yes, yes. There it is. I thought they were the same people. We, we, we meet two uh it looks like professional fishermen and uh they're complaining about like all the junk in the sea which uh at least leads me to believe that this movie has some kind of environmental message i could just be uh you know pulling that out of my ass but yeah they they're picking up garbage uh instead of like fish and they pick up uh, they're, they're all these like weird like power rangers style uh starfish floating in the ocean and they pick one up and in a scene that you know immediately rips off 
uh, alien, Ridley Scott's alien. Like they, they, they're hold. One of the sailors is holding the starfish, and it sprays him with acid. Um, right. You know, my and my it, only note after that was someone write Ridley Scott a check. Well, and it's <laughs> it's uh, it's cut the same way as well, because like yeah. you go to like you have the tight shot of the guy looking at the starfish. And then it kind of opens up. Then it Bukaki's in his face, and he like grabs his face, and immediately like stumbles backward. And then we cut to like a very wide shot of the boat, and you right. can kind of see commotion going on in the boat. And then just cuts to a different scene, which is exactly like when uh, Kane gets the face hugger, you know, uh, uh, on his face an Alien. You know, which of the two is the better movie? Uh, Alien is yeah. definitely better. Yeah. Should be watching that. Basically, this establishes that there are these starfish guys in the in the water, and they're red and got, like, a lot of googly eyes. Like, if you went to, like, a Michael's or Joanne Fabrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the the recently deemed non-essential business Joanne Fabrics uh, to around Halloween to get like the uh, the googly eyes just like kind of like glue them to like a red starfish. That's what these things, which are called the the barum barum b a r e m barum is their names, huh. and there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um. Who cares? Jesus. So they're in the water, and I, I guess pollution is making them grow, uh, which is like I, Mazel Tov to them. Like something can actually eat uh, garbage. That's cool. Um, I mean, just, I will say simply by including the barum and that those like like three tossaway lines about you know the environment being polluted automatically makes this like the fourth most ecologically like minded kaiju movie in the toho continuity because most of the time it's just the other monster that either mothra or godzilla is fighting yeah and so at least this the plot has some skin in the game for like hey we shouldn't be polluting everything that being said it's still you know very silly very silly yeah but while there are uh, to good fishermen, they're also to. I thought they were thieves for some reason. I swear the sign outside where they were fishing said like, you know, don't fish here or something, or like no fishing zone or whatever. But I guess they're just incompetent adults. Yeah, they're like so. um, Bulk and Skull from Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> or they also sort of reminded me of what, what the. And we should explain. Now we're talking about two separate characters. Um, yes, this even is though the film character. itself made no attempt to like distinguish them, because um, I thought they again I thought they were the same characters, and I still think they may be. I don't know, but like these guys. So okay, there's a little bit more stuff. We cut from the Bukaki thing, I think, to like a dock where, like some emergency medical personnel are taking the fishermen into like an ambulance yeah and that's where you get the uh the 
the thin bad guy and the fat bad guy who looked like the Scolari brothers from uh, Ghostbusters 2 when they were still alive, (laughs) kind of, a little bit. (laughs) That's how I thought of them, was just like the Scolari brothers for the whole movie. Uh, Oh my god, it's the Scolari brothers! But, um, you know, that's what they look like to me. I don't know. You know, my brain was just reaching it's searching for a better movie searching uh, for just to have some sort of character thing to latch on to but there's nothing there's just nothing they're just mannequins um so there you have it um but basically this police officer like tells them that like you know this attack has happened and they're like well you should do something you should clean up the entire ocean. And the guy's like, I'm just a police officer. <laughs> and sing it. <laughs> I pay your salary. Yeah, yeah. I uh, pay your salary. Um, He does so, actually say that. Yeah. So then we cut to Bulk and Skull, who I guess are clam, they're clam diving. They're looking for uh, big old clams. Um, and uh, I should mention, like, it's the the body positive one is the one doing the actual work. The skinny, like, Takashi Miike reject Yakuza is just, like, in the boat smoking a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> that's what he looks like. He looks like kind of like a background character in a Miike Yakuza film. Yeah. Like, one gets shot immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is like his side story before he ends up in the Before he gets shot immediately. Absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, um, anyways, um, so yeah, so he's smoking a cigarette and, uh, he has the, 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 the chunky one. Like, it's just like, ah, these aren't big enough or whatever. Go, go deeper. Uh, as he does, they see some like bubbling in the water, um, which turns out is not flatulence. It's actually uh, what looks like a hybrid between a Furby and a critter. Uh, briefly makes an appearance on the boat and then disappears, but not before leaving a, a golden ring. Think Sonic the Hedgehog on uh, the boat. The final think- theatrically released movie, Sonic the Hedgehog, starring Jim Carrey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was Bloodshot starring Vin Diesel was the last was the last movie. Um, it's fine. Everything's normal. Come on. Forget about it, guys. Oh, my gosh. Who cares? Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, and then so they get the ring. And... So they get the ring and they're like, oh, my God, that thing is rare. We need to find it. Cut to schoolroom. Yes. And there's a little girl. Um in class as the teacher is talking about uh, what I was just mentioning before about how the islands seem to have all been connected, Okinawa, Taiwan, and uh, the island chain, you know, basically saying you could have walked to China, you know, a a million years ago um, through through that. Uh, The two boys in the background who, again, there seems to be this like, you know, um, this Laurel and Hardy thing going on and not like in a fun way. It's just like, yeah, every there's a there's a skinny um, fisherman. There's a lethargic fisherman. There's a skinny boy and a lethargic boy. Yeah. And they are in the back of the class and they have like a a large caterpillar. Um, Yeah. So for those of you keeping track at home um this film has introduced 
at this point, I think eight or nine characters and four of those characters have been the same lazy like comedy trope just one of them are adults and the other are kids but it's right. like the thin one and the fat one and Again, there, there's no the scolari brothers cool if they if there was like a continuity to it in fact if you just take the girl out really um not like in the weird part she's like the more competent of the characters yeah. as lazy as they all written but if she was taken out and it was about like two bumbling adults uh, with two bumbling children and the children realize, oh, we better learn to read books or else we'll be just like those guys. <laughs> you know, there would be like, yeah, I could see a story with that. But right. No, no. Or, or like no, yeah. um, throw in some some late in the game twist like they're the same people just yeah. through like a time warp like, yeah. uh, you know, Tales from the Loop style. Uh, spoiler alert for episode one, Tales from the Loop. Uh, but anyways, so it's fine. Philip Glass does some solid work on the soundtrack. The rest of it's pretty blah. But um, this is not a Tales from the Loop podcast, so who cares? Moving yeah. on. Uh, I've also been <laughs> streaming uh, lots and lots of episodes of Columbo starring Peter Falk. I've been, I, the other day I watched Columbo episodes till 4 o'clock in the morning. It's not all falling apart. Oh my gosh, totally normal. Anyways, back to the movie. That's why we're all here. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, they pull this prank on the girl. Like, the the kids, they're sitting behind the girl. And they have a caterpillar on this pencil. And they're, like, trying to, like, you know, because she's a girl. She's going to freak out or whatever. Ooh, this caterpillar. And they get very close to putting it like on her hair, but then she just turns around and swats it, and it goes into the one kid who kind of looks like Japanese Millhouse. It, it like goes into his throat or his mouth, and then he like coughs it up, and it goes to the front of the class, and like it into like the hits teacher's cleavage into the teacher's cleavage. And I wanted to mention the way this scene is executed. It to me, it reminded me if like David Lynch directed like a Mentos commercial, <laughs> 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 like because it, it's just so bizarre, but it's presented so matter of factly and like kind of like, ooh, this is so fun. Look at all the fun we're having. But it, you're just watching it, and your brain is like trying to reject it, but it can't. It, you know. So that's that's a that's going to be a a plot thread moving forward, yeah. uh, or like a a theme moving forward is your brain trying to shut out what what's being fed to it, um, but yeah, then like the kids get in trouble for like try like trying and failing miserably and very publicly to uh, do this prank on this girl, yeah, and um, they somehow blame her for their complete failures as kids uh, to do this. And they try to get back at her. Um, yeah. Well, they, they get part their sense of like the, I guess not the principal, but like the head coach or whatever. And the girl like adds like, you know, Oh yeah. And by the way, Mr. PE teacher, they call you a, they call you a bad name. And I don't even, I, I yeah. not even, I don't remember what not important they said it's not important at all like and then the teacher interjects like oh and remember no corporal punishment 
Um, so it's like, okay, so what are they going to do? Like clap erasers? Like, yeah, that'll show those kids. Um, well, the caterpillar was poisonous. Anyways, uh, <laughs> then a small earthquake happens, and the teacher, the gym teacher that's got the two boys around, you know, he's got them by the necks, essentially. Uh, the, 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 the caterpillar is put into a jar with presumably no holes, because uh, that's what we do. Um, and it, like, the earthquake happens, and, like, the, the, um, the, the jar falls on the teacher's head. Uh, he doesn't die or get knocked unconscious. It just happens. Right. Uh, uh, do you remember what happens next, Mike? Absolutely. Um, that's when we cut to the girl coming home from school, and this is the one scene with her and her mom. And, yes. like, for some reason, her and her mom are, like, friends or, like, general acquaintances or, like, the mom is is talking to the two bad guy fishermen the, yeah. and they're, like, explaining to her, like, that they're going to go get clams or something. Well, that, no, they're going to hunt the Furby. Or they're the going to hunt the Furby. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'd rather be in a room with a critter than a Furby, to be honest, because a critter would kill me. A Furby would just go on and on and on. The, Anyways, the critters are dangerous. The, those yeah. are dangerous creatures. The krites, yeah, no, they will kill you. They all they do is eat little fur balls, and they're smart. They communicate with each other. They yeah. have spoken language. They can join up into a giant critter ball. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to fuck with the critters. Uh, arguably more dangerous than gremlins. Uh, but this is not a critter podcast. Um, but anyways, but yeah. so uh, they, they've got a harpoon gun um, and a few other things. So they just like, like again, this is something. This this is like Homer Simpson get rich quick like logic that they see something <laughs> they want and they immediately find a harpoon and a few other things that they probably can. I, it's just like yeah, just put it on the credit card. We're gonna make like a billion dollars. Who cares? Uh, that's their mentality. So their right. cash, like, they probably spent like their last, the the leftover cash they had from after they bought all that equipment for like the cup of tea and the cigarettes they bought at this cafe. Right. Like that's probably their last few yen, and they were just uh, they were probably just saying like, don't worry, we'll make it all back once we catch the Furby. Uh, <laughs> so they walk and, off stage right, and then the daughter comes home to see her mom. Is like, who were those guys? Right. And she's like, she explains, I guess, that they're going to hunt a, a small creature. And then she's like, that's weird. And then she, as they're talking, the movie like loses interest in their conversation. And that's when it racks focus to the cat, uh, yes. like with the cigarette falling off the ashtray. I guess it burns the tip of the cat's tail. And this causes so much pain that the cat is just propelled upwards it reminded would, would me of like rather say it was catapulted it into was the air? absolutely it was catapulted it reminded me of the mtv uh, beach based game show sandblast where <laughs> like the players always had to hit those like uh like ramps or whatever and they just get like or the like the little well they were little catapults they were yeah. they were um pressurized air cannon propelled catapults that were you know about the size of a two by four and um and they would just propel people up you know like five or six feet in in the air and uh that's what this looks like it looks like someone just blasted this cat upward 
again, sorry we're spending, and I know this is the second time we've talked yeah. about this cat just being lodged up in the air, but there's really, once yeah. we get into the plot, there's there's not much to talk about. So, right. you know, um, but after that, um, okay, the girl goes into the woods, um, finds the little, little Furby, I think is a yeah. very good um uh, name for it uh, they call it gorgo in yeah. the movie um it's listed as guogo g h o g o but they call it gorgo so we're just going to call it gorgo yeah. um that's both in the japanese and the english version yeah. everyone's saying gorgo right so you know. and um yeah it just looks like a little little cousin it with kind of a fleshy proboscis coming out of the top of its head Yes. Sort of looks like that dude from the movie From Beyond when he gets that thing, like Jeffrey Combs in From Beyond, when he gets that, like, fleshy proboscis growing out of his forehead in that movie. Same type of thing. Uh, and we don't know what he what he uses that for. Yeah. And the thing and doesn't it, it have, doesn't, like, a mouth. It, yeah. it doesn't have a mouth. It's just his eyes and, and, and feet, which eyes, is good. Eyes, feet, because yeah. It would be this movie would be a billion times worse if that thing had like a little catchphrase or something like that. Like that would be awful. <laughs> yeah. Like this spared us like the minia type stupidity. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh well, I'm off to the temple to find the treasure. Who? Which one of you little kids wants to join me? Yeah. Yeah. We. It's. It, will join us. It's silent, which is good. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think she puts it in a basket because she's like picking flowers. That's why she she's out because she's picking right. flowers, and um, that's when she runs into the the two kids that like did mm -hmm. the caterpillar prank on her. Yeah. And in the English version, at least, they are like they immediately take a posture of like rage and like mm -hmm. revenge against her, and they're like, "You ratted on us," yeah. and it's like the fuck are you talking about ratted on you you idiots tried to put this caterpillar on her in front of the entire class and the teacher everybody saw that you fucked up and like and there's no ratting involved like she didn't have to tell anyone what happened it was like obvious your failure was obvious like maybe if this had happened like in the cafeteria behind a corner and then she like went up to like a playground mother or something afterwards and told her about it then okay that's grounds for a beatdown obviously that's you know that's the playground law that's the law <laughs> of the uh, you know of the blacktop but like you ratted on us in this context that line makes no sense at all and they're breaking the code and they deserve to pay a physical price for that and i know we're talking about children these are you know i'm not look i'm not advocating for the punishment of children i'm not dr oz or anything but like you know let's let's stay on track political anyways <laughs> so yeah you ratted on us what the fuck are they talking about and they chase her into the woods and um then it's like one of the most awkward transitions I've ever seen in any film because they're like getting to the woods. She like holds up the little Furby guy and then they kind of like it's almost as if they're like summoned to her via like a magnetic force or like their brains like shut off and they like sort of like they stop like mid scene 
and sort of all sort of turn, half turn, and like walk like 15 feet and look up. And Bella Vera is there on Guru Guru. Remember the little, you know, like Mecca Guru Guru. Right. Like the little, like little robot. Yeah. Yeah. Little, he's the little dragon that Bellavara, Bellavara rides on is uh, called Guru Guru. And this time, you know, from the jump, you see that it's a robot because it has like the Terminator vision and it's like analyzing them or whatever. Um, Because a cat's out of the bag, I guess. Yeah. Um, But. And then she immediately starts like shooting lightning at them, and she's like, "That thing knows how to find the treasure." And this is Bellavara talking to the kids, and she's like, "And you have to help me, you know, find the treasure so I can take over the planet or whatever." And um, then the the Elias, uh, who are like the fairy twins, they're in this continuity. They're called the Elias. They come in on Fairy, which again just looks like a little toy of Mothra that they are riding. It's all very confusing, but all these things have names. I should make some cursory attempt to say them at least once. Uh, but then they kind of do a sort of shitty, lazy restaging of the uh, what I thought was pretty impressive in the first Rebirth of Mothra movie, the um, dogfight between right. Fairy and, and Guru Guru with uh, Bellavara and, you know, yeah. uh, Laura well, and Mole writing the, them. Yeah, the, well, they do that, and then, um, but this time they're outdoors. Right. And it's, instead of, like, looking for that little uh, amulet, they're looking uh, for Gorgo. Right. And so the, the kids essentially are, like, playing like kind of a football thing by throwing Gorgo betwixt them and meanwhile like Guru Guru and Fairy are dogfighting. This is all happening at once, by the way. Right. And um they like the the millhouse looking kid and the girl, they run out of the, the woods and right. then Bellavara uh, well, Guru Guru gets a shot off of its like laser and like catapults the the fat kid into the air and he goes and like lands. Right. And it totally looks insanely fake. Like yeah. literally, like <laughs> someone <laughs> took like and this is gonna get a little bit into the weeds on uh, <laughs> like video editing, but. If, if the animator who, like, took this kid, because he's obviously in front of a green screen, if there were, like, three keyframes in the animation or the path that this thing had to go through, uh, I mean, the kid, uh, which is, like, up and then violently to the right, and, like, just, like, he just... It just looks like Pac-Man just going like a violent right angle, like, in midair. It's just, like, your brain is just, like, what is happening? Uh, and then that's not the weirdest part of this scene. So don't think that it is the kid lands. He's got the little furry guy, you know, the, the dog fight is still happening in the background with the lasers and the flying and the, Hey, Hey, Hey. And the kid, like the fat kid has a skinned knee, but he doesn't seem to care about it at all. Although it looks, I mean, it's, it's pretty gnarly. Um, and like the girl is like, you know, we should get some disinfectant for that or something like that. That doesn't look great or whatever. And they're holding, uh, Gorgo, Gorgo, 
which is again just looks like a little Furby. And at this point, uh, Gorgo um, unleashes uh, a, a stream of viscous discharge uh, out of its uh, cloaca uh, and pees on the kid's knee. And once again, another opportunity to rip off this time Steven Spielberg, because this like when the piss that you know this thing is this thing is peeing on him, yeah. um, when it lands on the kid's knee, it has sort of that kind of like white sort of sudsy bubble effect uh, yeah. on the wound, and then it kind of like washes it away the exact same way that the uh, fluid from the or the water rather from the holy grail kind of heals yeah. sean connery at the end of uh holy grail yeah um, and by the way this isn't the only like uh holy grail reference that will be in this movie or, uh, i'm sorry sorry last crusade last, last crusade yes uh monty python and holy grail i got that wow. little <laughs> my brain's a little cooked but like it's the exact same effect that at the end of the third right. indiana jones movie when when uh sean connery gets healed except he's getting water poured on him from the holy, the holy grail by his son he's being pissed on by a stranger a complete <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stranger, someone they just met yeah, yeah this I kid mean, is getting buy the guy a drink first but right right this kid is getting uh again we hope it's urine uh from <laughs> pray from urine. a muppet basically that they just met so uh that happens uh, you Again, know. another good reason why it's a good thing that Gorgo does not talk. It would just make it even creepier. Oh, and you know, you can't put shit like this in kids' movies, because no. ki- because listen, it, kids are like this is a doorway to water sports, and like you know, some kid in Japan watched this, and this planted the seeds for like a fetish. So 100% that happened and it's because of this movie. Now I'm not saying that's for the good or for the bad. It's not my place to judge, but that 100% happened because of this scene and <laughs> some of the other things that happened in this movie. I mean, that happened from Rebirth of Mothra 2, okay? <laughs> so what is happening in Japan? Uh. <laughs> so after this Bellavara um I don't know. She like hypnotizes the two fishermen uh, via either reasoning with them or like it's also sort of implied that she kind of like electrocutes them a little bit mm-hmm. into like bending to her will. Um, but they don't seem to have that much going on anyways. And this also sort of weirdly coincides with what they were already doing, which is trying right. to find the little Furby guy. So like it's a very convenient partnership between her and 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 her now uh human conspirators so much is happening in in this like 15 minutes and it's it feels like it doesn't feel like a movie it feels to me at least it felt like when you're streaming a tv show and there's like um like the season recap or whatever and it like just shows like events that happen in the plot and just like ruthlessly cuts to the bone of like the the bare bone of the thing. Like there's no time for any of these characters to breathe or talk or like, yeah, like do anything like like so much happens in, in these like 15 minutes. It's really crazy. Like, Um, I mean, essentially uh, the fairies 
who are riding ferry, uh, tell the kids that they need to go to a certain part of the ocean uh, to visit the underground kingdom to find the treasure. The treasure will save them from Dagara, uh, who they mention is like an evil beast that will rise due to pollution. Right. Just like the, what was the monster? Was the last monster, I forget, in Rebirth the Monster there, was it just, uh, it wasn't Ghidra? It was, was it um, I think, Desgadora? Desgadora, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, just like Desgadora, this monster, like, feeds on pollution. And I, I guess, like, the... <laughs> The pH levels in the sea are, are just like at the tipping point or whatever. Yeah. So the kids I, I, at night steal a rowboat and then cut to day. They're like over a spot. Yes. yes. And, and they do mention they're talking about finding the treasure. And hmm. I think like weirdly, the, the heavier of the two kids he, I think he says something like he wants like a million dollars or some some normal thing that you would talk about like when you got a bunch of money, and then the Millhouse looking kid um, says, "I want to eat at McDonald's every day," like that's his goal, yeah. and it's like first of all, kid, you you don't want that, man. You, you yeah, first of all, you, you're a kid. That that was devastating to me because it's like. Aim higher, man. Like you're you're a child. You can still have dreams. Like you're not old enough to have your dreams have been crushed yet. And it's like you're telling me your dream, if you find this treasure, is to eat at McDonald's every day. That's the that's the goal. That's the goal. So that was uh that was sad. It also seems sad. like a character flip because why would the skinny one say that? Absolutely. Because he doesn't Absolutely. look like Mal. If he was, like, malnourished, I could understand. But clearly it's the heavier the two wants to eat at McDonald's. Absolutely. Well, and, again, that is... One should be like, I want a million dollars, and I want to invest it in such and such. And right. My own caterpillar ranch, whereas the chunkier right. one should be saying, you know, I mean, McDonald's. It, um, it just struck me as just such a insane thing to say. So I had to write it down. <laughs> um... So I know, but I had gained some weight. It was definitely I like fast food. You know, I'm not thinking about money at that point. But no, look, everybody likes fast food. Yeah, it's it's nothing but sugar and fat and salt right. in your mouth. It's impossible as animals not to like fast food. That's not the debate. <laughs> but um, so then they're like in the middle of the ocean. They look like they're lost. I mean, this could be the beginning of a different movie where it's like, hey, we don't have a map or a radar, and we're in the middle of the ocean in, it looks to me like a kayak, but like a weird kind of kayak that can, like, fit three people in it. Right. Um, but I guess it is kind of like a rowboat thing. I think it was, like, made for adults, but they're, you know, three little kids, so right. they, they can make it work, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, <laughs> Again, that's like my my logic behind this. It's just like, of course, kids, sure, why not? Go ahead. And uh, then a ancient Mu esque uh, pyramid arises. Oh wait, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. No, first there's like a whirlpool that opens up. This is very odd how this happens because it's like yeah. they get sucked into the whirlpool under the water into like this tube thing mm -hmm. um 
and like you get sort of almost flashbacks of like in Mortal Kombat Annihilation when they're in those spheres and and they go through like the hollow earth um but uh like level of of like shit special effects right but like they go through like a tube it looks like a water slide it actually looks like a lot of fun um and this like giant water slide that's like 40 miles long and like doing loop-de-loops and all this crazy it looks like you know what it looks like something from like one of the terrible 3d sonic the hedgehog games um and they they ride this thing all the way into the center of what is revealed to be a a underwater pyramid of this moo-esque civilization which is known as the uh neely n-i-l-a-i kanai I'm just gonna say Moo. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Nila Kanali, Nila Kanai. You see, I have Nira, Nira. Uh, so I, 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 Nira, Nira. I can't even pronounce. Yeah, Moo. Yeah. We're just going with Moo. Mo. It's okay. just Moo. Fuck you. Fuck. It's Moo. I don't. This movie only you made know. seven million dollars. I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> this movie made seven million dollars, and we, the people, are retaking the ownership of of the narrative. So Nate and I now proclaim that this underground or underwater pyramid is a from the Mu civilization. Yeah. Okay, prove me wrong. Or, or it's uh, it, it's simply the leftover set of Legend of the Hidden Temple. Oh yeah, absolutely. Once they get into this uh, temple, it one hundred percent looks like the set designer of Legends of the Hidden Temple was hired to make a cube movie, <laughs> um, because it is uh, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like, <laughs> and it is empty. I mean, it's just like walls and corridors yeah. and hallways, but there's no like actual set dressing in inside of it. Right. So it's like just you know section based, wall based sets yeah. where there's not like there's not like a little you know piece of shrubbery or something hanging down or yeah. literally it, it, anything. These are just I, empty I'm hallways. Sure they're just using like the same like two hallways they built to be like all the hallways for the entire I thing. mean I thought that too, but then there's like a tracking shot that goes through like three or four different hallways and it's like you idiots, you could have just used the same sectional base <laughs> like they did on uh, Star Trek the Next Generation to do the interior of the Enterprise, you know. Right. Um but no, it looks like they actually built quite a bit of this pyramid <laughs> uh and they did not have to yeah um but you know it's fine listen seven million buys you a lot of, <laughs> buys you a lot of hallways i mean that's what this film grossed i don't know what the budget is um oh, no, but, but, yeah so let's hope not much more than seven million yeah <laughs> so okay the pyramid comes out of the ocean. It's got kind of these cool uh, sort of serpentine, like, they're almost like the Moo equivalent of, like, the uh, Ak-Ak guns that New Kirk City had in, in the original Mothra. A good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's, like, sentry-based 
you know, um, yeah. sort of projectile defenses. Yeah, it's got four sides, so four of these heads. Yeah. Um, or they, they're kind of like um, the the giant uh, old uh, god machine guardians at the end of Atlantis, the Lost Empire, the Disney movie, where like oh, right, the god right. machines come up and they're like guarding the uh the perimeter of Hmm. of the thing same type of thing um so those things are cool and the design of the pyramid the outside design of of this pyramid is like really cool and obviously where they spent most of the money i think um because it looks it looks really good and it's you know their miniature work there is is first rate so let's see uh in this thing, I think Fairy with like the two Elias flies up and talks to the kids and they're like, hey, you have to take the Furby and go find the treasure now. And then Bellavara drops off the two comedy relief henchmen dudes and is like, no, you have to find the treasure. You have to find the Furby and then find the treasure. Go or whatever. I think that's what happens here. Yeah. I can't quite remember. Uh, well, something causes like I guess someone throws like the uh, you know the 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 one remaining like McDonald's cup into the water, and that's what unleashes uh, Tagara, um, right? Who appears, and I want to say from there immediately starts uh, making its way to the temple and is fended off by the temple beams. Is that is that uh, how that? Well- Okay, there's a couple of things. Like, I know there's a scene where Degarla destroys a submarine. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah. A Horishio-class submarine. want to get that detail in there because it's important. Um, <laughs> and so that happens. And that, that scene right there where it destroys the submarine immediately kind of, like, puts this separate in my mind from rebirth of mothra one because it's like there's a lot of people on that submarine yeah like, degarla just killed like yeah i don't know like a hundred people on yeah. that thing so like it's definitely killing people and yeah. Yeah, like, i don't their letters to loved ones are being written due to this movie like <laughs> um you know like then... the, the last one it was just like you know oh don't worry it doesn't eat people it, yeah. it just eats plants, so it's like, well, there's no tension in that. I mean, Des Ghidorah definitely fucked up the countryside and, like, yeah. you know, destroyed a lot of things to get into the side of that mountain to get at the, the, the good trees that were inside that mountain. <laughs> that mountain, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't really kill a lot of people. But yeah. Degarla definitely starts murking fools immediately. And... I can't remember if it does it go to the pyramid and they get shot with the sentry guns. Yes, um, it starts swimming towards it and the sentry guns start shooting it. And I want to say that's what causes it to retreat and then it starts fucking up like the city. Right. Is that how it happens? I think so. We're going to say that's how it happens. And that's because who cares? And that's what causes the twins um, to yes. call on Mothra. Yes. Yes, and that's they what do I... it quite in the same Bollywood style that they did last one. It's <laughs> kind of just like uh, it, it looks more like a a, a yoga movie, like like uh, a '90s yoga thing. Uh, the, like their movements, absolutely. What it reminded me of when 
the Elias uh, are doing their the sort of dance, and they have the original Mothra song, although it's like a weirdly truncated version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on the back of ferry, and it's all green screen hell. <laughs> um, and they're kind of like doing these like abbreviated like hand movements along with the lyrics and it reminded me of like when kramer uh like thought he knew how to do sign language on seinfeld but he really didn't he just looked like an idiot (laughs) it's like because it's like this sort of spastic uncoordinated just kind of random movements that they're doing and it's like did like did the actors and like the director and like the people who made the movie did they plan this out or was this just sort of like uh, just move your arms girls just do it <laughs> i don't know well you know what we will never have access to those answers so i don't know but then yes they do in fact summon mothra we cut back to like i think the same shot of uh infant island from rebirth of mothra one and then you go into like the mothra temple there and then all the little moths get together and like make a big moth or whatever there's like a little like explosion of light and magic and you know it's there's mothra and then he which again like yeah just the 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 stupidity of of changing mothra from a, a female to a male like it's arbitrary anyways like no one's looking up mothra's skirt like who gives a shit but it's like there's only like one or two female kaiju like why make mothra a male just yeah dumb okay so the mothra leo comes and is flying and like triumphantly kind of flies over the city that's been devastated of like this okinawan city and is like you know there's these massive fires that uh, Degarla has started from its destruction. And Mothra is like fanning the fires <laughs> with its wig. Like it, they, they go out of their way to show Mothra flying over these giant, like towering infernos and like kicking up the wind and like making destruction worse. <laughs> and it's just like, why? Why show that? Like, is Mothra a hero? What is happening? Damn it. Um, oh. <laughs> also, Mothra has lasers and immediately just starts and downward lightning bursts from like the bottom of her wi- of his yeah. wings and uh, immediately just starts. Just to remind everyone them. in Godzilla versus Mothra, Mothra has poison powder, which she only uses at the end of the battle. Before that, she is fl- like blowing godzilla away with her wings and then physically punching him with her stub arms and then picking godzilla up by the tail and dragging him several miles away from the egg right now that was with you know the technology they had in what 64 63 this is just beam after beam no we can't have them touch each other no touching leave six feet for jesus kids yeah these two are practicing social distancing absolutely and um, it's uh yeah no touchy no touchy 
It's okay. it's like Emperor's No Groove with David Spade. It's no touchy. Uh, all lasers, all boring, all redundant action sequences. There's a couple of highlights, though. At one point, uh, Dagarla pins uh, Mothra Leo up against a hill, and Mothra Leo releases like this concentrated energy burst to like shoot him off of of his side or Mm -hmm. you know they're like sandwiched down almost like they're laying in bed like engaged in coitus kaiju coitus and mothra just launches off this like i call it the serenity now blast (laughs) she's like serenity now and it just blasts Dagarla off (laughs) of mothra lee it just goes like you know 15 miles and falls into the Either the ocean or the woods. Honestly, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> um, at one point, Degarla uses the reverse cone of silence thing <laughs> on Mothra, where like Degarla's under the water and like spins around a bunch, and then there's like a like a tornado that kind of comes up through the water and and gets to Mothra, who's like flying in the air and like. Uh, fucks him up there. That's pretty yeah. cool. And at one um, point, Mothra again is using beams, but this time they're chest beams trying to shoot at Nagarla as he's under the water. Right. Like trying to use them like depth charges. <laughs> yes. And Nagarla uses these things that are like mortars that like shoots out of its back that are like r- these red sort of dagger laser yeah. things. And it very much reminded me of like a mortar attack. Um,. So just like different types of beams, talking about that. That's where we're at. <laughs> it wouldn't be the nineties if it. <laughs> um, but yeah, very little in the way of like actual physical fisticuffs. I mean, Degarla bites Mothra once, um, on the wing for like two seconds. But like, basically, the rest of the movie is just them fighting. I mean, yeah. That's going on. That's going on. And and the kids are in the the pyramid. Are are looking. Yeah, that's going on. The kids are looking uh, for the for the treasure. For the treasure. And Luke Skywalker and Emperor Palpatine are in the throne room. Oh wait, no, that's a that's a better movie. (laughs) And Jar Jar Uh, Binks and and the rest of the Gungans are Naboo fighting the (laughs) droid army. The joint army, yeah. It's, it's just, just so much. There's yeah, just they, so much. It's so dense. They, Every image is just so hard to put together. And, um, but yeah, no. It's basically what follows is, and we're not going to go through this like scene by scene because it's just it's it really is like um, waiting for Godot in, in like because it's like they accomplish zero in this whole pyramid thing. Um, I will say highlights include the invisible bridge thing that you alluded to, which is directly once again, rips off Indiana Jones and the last crusade, yeah. uh, which is weird. At one point they cross this chasm on a bridge that you can't see the kids there. And they're also sort of like being chased by like the bulk and skull dudes. Um, ah, boy, just, you know, there's a lot of them running to doors that are like slowly lowering and them jumping through and like making it just in time. That happens like 40 times. Um, just running around the same five corridors. 
at one point they get into sort of a centralized main epicenter of the the Muian pyramid and uh this person comes out who is not the Mu empress from Atragon that would have been awesome yes but someone kind of looks similar like dress doesn't have the red hair but like eh, they could be like yeah. distant cousins or whatever and because they oh yeah like, oh and there's like an egg there, there's some stones uh in, they look in like the, the shankara uh, stones from yeah uh, temple of doom like exactly yes. like them yes yes <laughs> not like sort of like them i think it may be the same props <laughs> that they stole from lucasfilm <laughs> so there it is and like the two bumbling idiot crooks like try to steal them and that starts up this hologram uh recording thing of the muian empress who there's a weird sort of um cribbing of the scene where william shatner attempts to punch out god from the end of star trek 5 where like the what does God need with a spaceship? <laughs> what What does God need with a starship? Um, Jim, and, you and don't they, question the Almighty. Um, but the fact remains: What does God need with a starship? It's that same scene. It's the 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 thin criminal dude like walks up, and this big and the the projection of the of the Muian Empress is like twenty feet tall. And she yeah. just like reaches out with her finger and like blasts them with the yeah. lightning. And it, it is exactly like that part in uh, Star Trek V, which, sad to say, infinitely better film. Yeah. And that is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by William Shatner. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just a bunch of shit like that yeah. is happening and we're not going to go through all oh, that they, they absolutely not that uh that uh uh gorgo was the treasure all along yeah she, she's just like yeah. the hologram is like yeah gorgo's the real treasure and then know. this is where so well this which is, is like so the whole thing was a waste of time cross cutting going on so right. at one point mothra leo was knocked into the water and all those little uh starfish uh, crept on him. So not only is he wounded, but he's covered in parasites and he's yes. like resting on the top of the temple, which one of the um the Akat guns, one of the one of the temple defender what's it called? Not totem pole. What's the word? Mechanized I like Omec uh gun systems. <laughs> Would the purple penguins please walk down two steps? Uh, purple penguins need to get one more chip. They need to get half of the marker. You have to put the monkey together. Did this is a little bit of a side tangent? Did, has it? Did anyone ever actually win Legends of the Hidden Temple? Because I watched that show I, for like many years, and I never actually saw a team successfully navigate the temple and win the prize at the end followed the money yes <laughs> um, we had to make it impossible for the kids to get through because there was no prize money <laughs> <laughs> the truth will come out follow the money oh but, so yeah, one of the old just nonsense is, uh, is, just nonsense is destroyed and uh and Degara is uh, still beaming like he, he doesn't seem to be able to like hit mothra directly because of the 
the idols, but he's flying around like picking what he can out of the temple and out of Mothralia. So while that's going on, the kids are in the temple and that whole spiel goes down. Uh, then after Gorgo finds out that he is the treasure, which I guess, you know, I mean, obviously he couldn't tell anybody, but you'd think it would have known. Um, and did this before because it's like, why would you wait till, you know, this crucial of a time? But, um, Anyways, Gorgo uh, then, like, turns into, like, a beam of light and then covers Mothra, like, shoots up through the temple, and then th this is where it becomes a little confusing. Mothra Leo turns into Rainbow Mothra for about five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then the temple starts falling apart. The kids start leaving. Mothra, Rainbow Mothra starts flying and starts, uh, you know. Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. Uh important update um gorgo before it turns into the light and whatever it pees on someone else there's another there's another peeing sequence no that, that's i don't that, I, believe. I believe this is it, it's after does it that. come back into corporeal form after it like gives mothra steroids i thought it, that was I, like when they were I, escaping no, the I thing i don't know because because remember because then they do the um well here we'll just have to explain it the way i remember because um because while the temple's falling apart and they're escaping uh they do the whole indiana jones uh bit where it's like throw me the idol uh throw me the rope but instead it's like the uh i want to say it's the the skinny fisherman but the lethargic kid are stuck yeah. on one side of this chasm chasm and then you know that it looks like he's going to kill the kid but instead he throws the kid badly and then he jumps or is hit by some debris and then he that propels him over and i want to say he breaks his leg or something and that's when gorgo pees on him unless that yeah. happened earlier but i want to say it happened some point now because that's when his character changed at least that's the way my mind is trying to organize yeah. that no that's 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 what happens is is yeah. yeah he gets he gets catapulted by debris somehow over the gorge anyways and is like dying and that's when gorgo decides uh once again to just unleash a torrent of piping hot piss uh <laughs> on him uh, bringing him back to life and yeah. it's again this is seeding water sport fetishes like faux show because the camera's underneath this thing's cloaca as it unleashes and I, yeah. this is not the kind of talk you're used to hearing on this show i i apologize i am sorry for this but like we didn't do this nate and i didn't make this these jokesters made it and we have to talk about it yeah you know it's not our fault yeah it's our responsibility to bring it yeah. to light you know we're doing the important work here in april 2020 you know go to places that uh people Maybe they're afraid to go. <laughs> this is what people need to be thinking about right now. So anyways, yeah, like uh, the little Furby pees on the guy again and just fucking weird and gross. Yeah. Uh, and so brings Rainbow him back to Mothra, life. And then all yeah. that other stuff happens. Yeah. Rainbow Mothra attacks uh, the Gata and there's more beams. Uh, then... Rainbow Moth, then Dagara goes underwater, 
I guess where it thinks it's going to be safe. And then Mothra Leah's like, you know, a rainbow Mothra's like, hold my beer and turns into, you know, what looks like a moth that boned a flying fish. Uh, and then it goes under the water and then has, get this, even more beams. Uh, because so why more not? Beams. More beams to shoot, but underwater. And they have like kind of an underwater dogfight. Yeah, and yeah, then no, this is definitely. Aqua Mothra is definitely like the too fast, too furious model <laughs> of Mothra. Okay. Like, again, sleek, plastic looking. Yes. Um, chrome, like a general look of chrome. Uh, has a tail, has a very defined, like, with like a upper fin and a lower fin, like a fish's tail. Not right. like something you'd see on a moth at all. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, just weird looking. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, and it shoots X's, like projectiles, like in the shape of an X. Yes. At, uh, Which I feel uh, like they're almost stealing that from Ultraman, but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> that that part was cool. I like that. Yeah. I like the, 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 the X-shaped projectiles. I'm usually not a big fan of um, the beam fights, but that that I appreciated. <laughs> and and Degarla to its credit keeps throwing new weapons at mothra the whole time right um it has but like that... these weird like boomerang things that it like has to like spin around and like it, like shoot they look like um yeah like a laser that's also like a boomerang that makes like a complete sort of uh loop um and it like goes like a disc yeah. And that's cool too. I mean, that's really that's what you have to talk about with this movie because again, yeah. this fight between uh, Tagarla and and Mothra is like forty minutes long. And and sorry, I'm sorry we're talking about it so much with all the different projectile types and stuff. But like, that's really all that, you can hang your hat on. Like There's no like 70, other 70 scenes. Movie. 70% yeah. of this movie. Just like Godzilla versus Megalon is, you know, 85% stock footage. This movie is 75% beam battle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the final strike uh, occurs when Mothra, in a, again, arresting uh, turn of events. Just, you're watching this, and I definitely got out of my stupor. And I was just like, what is happening? Uh, Nate, I think you can describe this best, the way you told me about it earlier. Just, yeah, you sum well, this up. So, uh, Aquamothra then breaks apart into a million little Aquamothras, and they fly straight into um, the Gara's mouth. Yep. And in a scene that's kind of a cross between... Uh, Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, and... Uh, and it also looks like the, the beginning... Simpsons where they go to itchy and scratchy land and I watch also want to say, sorry, it looks exactly like the beginning of Look Who's Talking when all the sperm are floating <laughs> oh, down. Yeah. Oh, it looks God. exactly like it. Yes, yes. But yes, sorry, but continue. John Travolta, thank God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's another saving grace of this film. No John Travolta. Um, How dare you? How dare you? I'll let it slide. John Travolta uh, automatically makes every movie more more better rest. Continue. 
It's a moth that swims. Oh my god! Uh... Sandy! Continue. Tell me about it, stud. Um, anyways, so yeah, like the sperm in that, or like in Scratchtasia, where... Which one's the mouse? Uh, Is that Scratchy or Itchy? Itchy, I think. Itchy. So Itchy, like, goes... A million little, like, Itchies go inside Scratchy, and they begin, like, destroying his cells from the inside, and he just turns into powder. Anyways, that's what happens here. They, like, go inside, they start shooting, because, like, all those... Uh, Nagata is like filled with those uh, red starfish, apparently. Like, uh, and and they go into like his inner anus or Absolutely. something, like some kind of pulsating entry or exit way uh, yeah. <laughs> is there. Uh, and I can't stop looking at it or thinking about it. And uh, yeah, That's it's fine. Uh, internally shitting out these things. So they go in and destroy. Uh, yeah, and, and they, like, blow him up from the inside. But it's like, he he doesn't blow up just yet because... Um, oh, yeah, like, they leave. They, they leave. It neutralizes like, him. Like, he's, he's yeah. just laying on the bottom of the ocean floor like a sack of potatoes. But yeah. he's not, like, physically destroyed. Right. He's still there. He doesn't, yeah. He doesn't blow up, like, Death Star 1 or Death Star 2. <laughs> or... or the star killer base was that yeah sure um, i don't what is that yeah. movie called the force awakens it's I all think blur it was the force awakens uh at some point mothra like aqua mothra flies over the water and parts the ocean like moses parts the red sea and yeah. allows like a path of ocean floor for all the humans like the kids have joined forces with the crooks i don't know they're sort of like the wet bandits from home alone as well yeah <laughs> um and they kind of get off the pyramid and start just sprinting towards the uh the okay. coast although they're kind of taking their time a little bit too it's yeah. like they think that this like the water splitting thing is like a permanent thing it's almost like a and it's like I would definitely just be running the whole time because I'd be afraid that it would collapse inward, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, then Degarla raises out of the ocean because there's just light, there's just energy, there's just power. I don't know what's yeah. happening. And it, like, I, I think, like, the, the Muian Empress, her hologram, which I think is a recording, who knows? Who cares? Uh, Help me out, <laughs> takes Tagarla up above, like directly above the pyramid, and then like shoots a bunch of energy into it, and then clearly like the the guy above the rafters at Toho just like cut the <laughs> the cord that was holding on to the empty Tagarla suit and it just falls <laughs> with like with an exacto knife. It just went and then it just falls onto the pyramid and then the pyramid blows up and it's a really big explosion and it's again it seems like they're experimenting with the amount of pyrotechnics that they can have like in the studio without destroying the studio itself because this is like a very large explosion this reminded me of when uh, gidra explodes at the end of gmk and it takes <laughs> up like the whole screen except the camera's like you know 200 feet away <laughs> but it's still like the the fireball is so big so like this is a very good explosion 
this is a good way to like uh, end this conflict. I I am in agreement with the size of this explosion. That's that part is good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and then he like the party to do oh, a job, sorry. and they did the job well. They so. did the job. They did it well. The ocean comes crashing back to normal just as uh, the kids and the crooks get back to the uh, shore and. Aquamothra jumps out of the water and turns back into either Rainbow Mothra or Mothra Leo yeah, again. Yeah, I think it turns back into Rainbow Mothra, but doesn't matter. Nah. <laughs> um, the kid is like, the girl is like, oh, I miss, I, I miss Gorgo, and then, uh, Maul is like, oh, but look into Mothra's wing. You can see Gorgo is there in the design of her wing or whatever. And then Mothra sort of says, Goodbye, kids. Now, Mothra doesn't talk. That would be weird. Uh, and then Mothra just sort of flies away. And and then they just kind of look, the human characters look at each other. It's like, this has been a really weird 60 minutes of our lives. Because I think the movie is in, like, real time. So... It's like what, a, guys? What a crazy afternoon! I have to yeah. take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Our lives are totally back to where they were. Yeah, this is sixty minutes ago. We, we just need to remember not to pollute. I guess they weren't even polluted. It, it's not like excluding like the attempted in insecticide. They, there's really like no scene where they're like, you know, throwing like garbage into the like the dad for example in the first the uh, rebirth of mothra is definitely contributing to the descadora's creation because mm -hmm. he's a lumberjack uh right <laughs> and, and uh yeah so he's like contributing like these kids and in a way the fishermen too like they're just like fishing yeah like Possibly illegally, but it's not like at some point he, you know, someone's saying like, you know, oh, you can't do that. That's gonna, you know, ruin the balance if you take if you pull one more clam out of that water, you know, Mister. That that's gonna destroy the entire ecosystem. Like that's never implied. It's just like, oh boy, this is yeah, the water's filled with crap. Yeah. Well, what's gonna do? Um, yeah, it's yeah. Um, not well written. No. So, and then I think credits roll, and depending on which version, uh, if you're watching the English dub, it's there's just like a little card that comes up, and then the credits are literally over in like seven seconds. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, the Japanese version uh, has uh, the song from our good friends, Folder, before they became yes. Folder 5. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not to be confused with Fox Force 5. Fox Force 5 uh, or um, Danger 5. Got to find that show. That was amazing. Yes. Got to definitely got a quarantine stream all of Danger <laughs> 5 season 1 and 2. That I, I don't want to be thinking about streaming after watching this movie. <laughs> oh boy. Hey. Uh, <laughs> watching yeah, Rebirth okay. of Mothra 2 is definitely an upstream battle as it were uh in a way so and then the movie ends and yes. uh you know that's it so so yeah uh, definitely a waste of time but not like the worst like i've seen worse movies 
but I've also seen a lot better movies. So I'd say Rebirth of Mothra 2, better than Rebirth Sir, of Mothra. Like, I, yeah, I mean, watch, they, both, like, they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. I, I think I still like Rebirth of Mothra 1 better. Yeah. Just because you can't, you can't get over how cool the the practical flamethrower on the Desgadora suit. I mean, that's, that's just true. great. That, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, and Degarla or whatever it's called, you know, again, Lazy all, <laughs> all it has are like the weird, like elbow yeah, again, pad, like elbow pad mouth. Beak mouth yeah, that's just weird things that i don't know if we ever like directly talked about but well, like it grows about... those at like during minute 25 of the fight yeah. it like grows the 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 shoulder pads and again um, it, they, it's like they were thinking they were going to make a gitter like thing with three mouths or three faces but then they're like oh now people will say we're just doing a remake of the first one let's just give it to you know <laughs> Right. Open shoulder pad, like that's what happened. I mean, to the to the filmmakers' credit, they had enough discipline to uh, wait an entire whole movie before shamelessly bringing Gidra back as the villain once again. But yeah. uh, that's a story for another time. Exactly. Um. But yeah, so that's Rebirth of Mothra two, nineteen ninety seven. Check it out. Uh, wanted to just have some general Godzilla or and or kaiju Toho, you know, Togusatsu news um, within the last week or so. Uh, the director Nobu Kiko Obayashi, who directed uh, House or House, which we did, if you'll recall, uh, an episode on. Uh, he passed away uh, earlier this week, so we just wanted to have a a vocal recognition of of him and his talent as uh, I'm going to say an auteur just from House. I mean, you could write several books just on everything that's going on in, in House. That movie is crackadoodle. I mean, it is just insane. I mean, it actually makes. Rebirth of Mothra 2 look, you know, like, uh, you know, Remains of the Day with Anthony Hopkins <laughs> as far as, like, normalcy. So, yeah, just wanted to mention that. Um, also, for the, at this point, still upcoming November release, fingers crossed, of uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, there have been some pictures leaked onto the internet uh of the action figures for the uh for the movie and they show some interesting sort of spoilerish things so if i'm not going to say what they are i'm going to say if you're interested and did not know that this had happened you can find those pictures uh online and you've been warned it's a little again the term i would just is like use is like spoiler light as to the possible outcome of some events in that movie but um if you're looking for clues th some clues have been unearthed as it were and again at this time which is uh april mid-april 2020 they have not officially said anything about 
that release date, the November release date being moved up or whatever, or not moved up, but pushed back. So hopefully that's still happening and we can do an episode about that. Uh, still haven't seen any like teaser trailers or really even like an officially released poster for it yet. And have they officially finished principal photography or reshoots, I should say, actually, because isn't that why it was pushed to November? Reshoots? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as we alluded to last time, there was like eight months of reshoots. And boy, I really hope they got all of that done uh, <laughs> before they, you know, uh, shut down uh, everything. Uh, yeah. Because otherwise, who knows? You've been listening to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Um, we are on Facebook at, uh, you know, just Facebook. <laughs> we are on Twitter at, um, Mike Kelly at Godzilla pod war. And, um, let's see, I think that's about it, but, uh, you know, still keeping the content coming. You know, we got a couple more, couple more stones to turn over. Um, this is our 60th episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's been from, you know, forever, many more we do and whatever happens, Nate, it's, this has been, uh, I didn't think we'd do 60. (laughs) I definitely did not think we would get 60 into this. (laughs) This is, uh, uh, boy, (laughs) this is the business we've chosen. (laughs) Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And, yeah. and having someone to, to share my sickness with over yes. all these years yes, <laughs> um, has been has been a lot of fun. Yes. Boy, this is now, this is like sounding like the last episode. <laughs> and it's not. We're going to, we've no, still no, got a few things not. left. Because, uh, you know, we, we, we can't finish until uh, Folder gets back together and does a North American tour. That's going to be our final episode, us reviewing that. Um, so, and it, we can't do it alone. We need all our listeners to Facebook, tweet, and tumble uh, folder out of retirement. We're here. We're staying safe. We're washing our hands. As I alluded to, I'm watching an extreme amount of Columbo. Uh, watched a pretty amazing episode uh, the other day where the murderer, okay, was actually the commissioner of police and was also Columbo's boss. And he like appointed Columbo to solve the case, knowing how Columbo like solves things. And was like, he's like, so he's like the commissioner's like throwing like fake clues and stuff at Columbo to like throw him off. And, you know, eventually Columbo has no choice, but to take down the entire police department. And it's amazing. It's like, he, he, like he's catching his, his boss. It's incredible. It, and it's Richard Kiley. Spared at no expense, you know, is is the police commissioner. So it's like incredible. Um, so yeah, my brain is melting. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> Nate, anything to add? No, just uh, looking forward to Rebirth of Mothra Part Three. Absolutely. Uh, after these two, I can only uh, imagine <laughs> what Part Three is going to be like. Oh boy. Almost done with the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy. Stay strong and wash those hands.
시간에